Chops, the podcast where two miserable millennials from Northern England ask, what's the crack with video games? My name's Chris. And I'm Matthew. This week we're going to be talking about uh, pressure to stick with a game, even if you're not that into it. Uh, did I explain that well? That was very good. <laughs> so like, if you're playing a game and you're not really you're not really sure that you like it, but you feel like you have to just keep playing it. And also like, if you've got like a ton of games that you feel like you need to play, do you ever have like pressure to play them yeah absolutely (laughs) nailed it nailed it (laughs) uh before we start um just another friendly reminder to please leave a five-star review on itunes as it helps us grow um no one's listening are they i'm listening (laughs) to you we've had five reviews and we've asked people eight times to review it <laughs> well, to any uh, to anybody out there, leave a five star review because now you know how desperate we are. <laughs> we want we want to try and keep our reviews more than how many episodes we've ever <laughs> done. <laughs> so by the time this goes up, we need about ten. We'll get there. Uh, anyway, see you in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was it for this week. <laughs> Roll credits. But yeah. Pressure to stick with a game. I kind of, uh, when when we were thinking about what we're going to do for this episode, and I was looking at like the ideas that we have, um, actually, this was quite a good one for me that stuck out because like, two or three days before, I was sort of feeling like this pressure of like getting through my playlist. So I've got like a watch list and a playlist on my iPhone. And um, my playlist is quite big. And I keep telling myself like oh you need to keep playing this game because like, oh, I like you need to finish it yeah and I was getting to the point where I was starting to actually feel like a bit like anxious you know what I mean like I was fin- finishing work making dinner sitting down to like play games and I was like being like do I even want to play any of these games or am I yeah. just telling myself that I have to for, for whatever reason well I think like everybody's just spent the last year in quarantine and from the very first day that I didn't have to go into the office anymore, um, spoiler alert, I have an office job. Um, <laughs> in case anyone was wondering, the um, yeah, like it was like, oh, I've got all of this spare time. I can now get through all the games that I want to play. I can watch all the movies that I've been wanting to catch up with. And then I found myself sort of being like treating it like work, like I was putting pressure on myself to get through games uh, quickly so Mm. that I can get onto the next one and the next one. And also another thing I've been doing a lot, um, which has been a recurring theme over the last couple of weeks, um, in particular with Final Fantasy VII, your favorite (laughs) game of all time, uh, is like putting pressure on myself to finish it when I'm not really sure that I'm into it. Yeah, definitely. Sorry if that... No, it doesn't. I mean, you've got a lot on, mate. You've got a lot on. Not really. But... (laughs) um, (laughs) So I guess, like, how long into a game does it take before you realize that you're kind of, it's doing it for you, that you're, like, you're enjoying it? I was thinking about this, and I think I my attitude to it has changed, especially over the pandemic. Because when 
Death Stranding came out, which I believe was what, like four months before lockdown? It was sort of like pre-Christmas, wasn't it-ish? Yeah. It was like the no- November, yeah. Um, when that came out, that was again, I was like relentlessly trying to like get behind, even though personally, I just wasn't enjoying it. But I kept telling myself I was enjoying it, and I pushed myself further to get to like the um the like war, the war sort of level <laughs> in the trenches, you know, like the kind of flashbacky stuff. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, I might get good by then because that's when you've got like guns and stuff. Like that makes a game. But mm. I was like, oh, like it'll get better by then. I won't be just walking up and down ladders. And I got all the way to like the mountains, and I was just like, I was I found myself like googling how much I had left. <laughs> I was like, I was like <laughs> how much of this game do I have left to play? And it was like, oh, like 15 hours or something. And I was just like, I'm, I'm just not fucking playing it anymore. Because I was getting to the point where I was like finishing work and being like, oh, I better play Death Stranding, I need to finish that. And I was like, why am I doing that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? How much trekking across an empty countryside yeah. uh, can I tolerate? I I mean, Death Stranding, I think, is the is a, is a moment that really uh, felt like a culmination of something that's been uh, slowly creeping in in gaming for quite a long time is that as games get bigger and bigger and longer, um, they're taking longer to really get going from the start. And it's something uh, that you kind of like, I I remember something I'm playing at the minute, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, I was reading some articles about that from when it first came out and there was like a polygon one that was saying like, oh, the game doesn't really reveal itself and become enjoyable until about 15 hours in. And that was the exact same sort of uh, discourse that was around Death Stranding. Mm. It was like, if you can duke out the first fift- 10, 15 hours, the game really opens up and reveals itself mm. to you. Yeah, I was being really persistent. I remember even with you being like, oh no, honestly, like it does get a little bit better. It gets a bit better at this point. Like, no, like it'll be fine. Like you should see this bit. I just got to, I just got to like my first boss fight like 20 hours in. <laughs> and <laughs> um, there was just a point where I was just like, nah, fuck this. I remember like going into, I remember going into work and um, hearing someone, I was like, I was working in like a co-working space at the time sitting next to a really close friend of mine who like didn't like the idea of Death Stranding at all. And someone was like, oh, do you like play games? And I was like, uh, yeah. So one day I might start a video games podcast. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was like, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. And he was like, you've been playing Death Stranding? And I was like, yeah, it's fucking shit. And he was like, no, I love it. And I was like, he, he was like, it gets really good. And I was like, where does it get good? Because I'm like at the snow bit, <laughs> which I believe is like the rest of the map. And he was like, oh, I'll give it like another 10 hours. Like, I was like, you must be really close to the end. And he was like, aye. And I, was just like, <laughs> I went, I went home and I was just like, I, he, he made me, he made me hate Death Stranding. So I spoke to my mate after and I was like, I'm just going to bring it in tomorrow into town with me. I'm going to fucking trade it in whilst I can get a few quid for it. You're going to film yourself trading it in and then send a video of him <laughs> doing it to, to that guy just to spite him. <laughs> yeah. And then, I, and then weirdly, actually, I traded it in for a game, uh, Metro Exodus, a game called Mexo- Metro Exodus. Like no one knows what it is. Um, I don't know and, what it is. <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> I think I've heard, I've heard those words used in that order before. <laughs> <laughs> 
traded it in for a game called Metro Exodus, which was 20 quid at the time, which is about how much I got for it. And I, re- I then ended up really trying to convince myself I liked that to justify the decision of trading a game I just paid 50 quid for and getting 20 quid for it. And I just end up on that cycle. But yeah, it is like a bit. I mean, I guess it's a big component of it that I didn't really consider when sort of putting notes together is the games are really fucking expensive now. And yeah, you don't want to spend 50 quid on a game or now like 70 or whatever that like <laughs> Sony's peddling their games for. You don't want to spend that much money on a game, get home, and then five hours in be like, Oh, I don't really like this, you know? Knowing that you're not mm. going to get the full value of the game back if, if you trade it in. Mm. It's that whole thing, like, isn't it? It's like video games are meant to be fun. Like, people who don't play video games, if you're like, oh, I'm off to play video games, yeah. <laughs> that sentence happens. Uh, they'd be like, oh, he's off to, like, you know, like have a laugh and, like, yeah. act like a child. But little do they know that games like Death Stranding and Last of Us 2 exist. Which I just had painful. Well, like sitting there putting yourself through through emotional distress. I I have to <laughs> I have to I have to intervene there and say that I really enjoyed Death Stranding. I know you did. I came back to it in uh, in quarantine, and when you've got the time to just sort of give to it, I I think it's a really it's a really lovely game. But it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's immensely pretentious. But do you think, so do you think in the end, so when you were working pre-lockdown, you weren't happy to commit that initial 15-hour slog to it. But when you were afforded that time, you then found yourself being okay to do it? I think it's part of a broader thing, and I'm sure a lot of people have uh, experienced this, is that their relationship to games has sort of changed since we've all been stuck in the house and uh i've you know as i mean as long as i can remember i've always enjoyed playing games especially when i was a lot younger i was like an obsessive uh buying games magazines and constantly playing games and had a bunch of different games consoles but when i got to i don't know i think when i left university and had to work, start working full time and realized i didn't have a huge amount of spare time on my hands um, I started playing games a lot less and I was a lot less forgiving um, with the amount of time I would give a game if it wasn't grabbing me. Yeah. Um, yeah, like around the time Death Stranding came out, I was, you know, like most people working a full-time job and, you know, you get home, you're tired, you're hungry, you make something to yeah. eat and you have a few hours to sort of decompress. You don't want to spend that time wandering through a big huge barren wasteland delivering packages to hologram people you know <laughs> like and, and hearing weird sort of side narratives about how people became addicted to doing deliveries yeah listening and learning everyone's stupid names yeah yeah <laughs> but i, I think it, I mean, I think for people who enjoy uh, films, I think I'll relate with this as well, is that sometimes you can love a film and not enjoy it. Jumping straight in my head here is like a movie like Hereditary, uh, like Ari Aster films. Although I would argue that that is actually very tongue-in-cheek on a second, second view. But the first time you watch that, it's just harrowing. And, you, you know, you, you're kind of like, it's got such an abre- oppressive tone. And mm. yet you leave thinking, wow, that was amazing. I had a similar thing with Death Stranding where I was like, 
this isn't fun by any conventional standard. It's about the slog to get to the to get to sort of the artistic statements, isn't it? Or to find the elements within that game, especially a game like Death Stranding, which you which you do appreciate. Uh, with Death Stranding, I remember feeling rewarded for all of for like twenty twenty five hours of like labor yeah. when I chucked a, a nuclear bomb into a pit of tar. And then got to got to sort of like see what had happened when that nuclear bomb went off in in a lake of tar. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I remember being like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" I was like, "Please blow up!" I was like, "Go oh, and chuck it in." I was like, "This is class," because like uh, uh, like proper sci-fi like that doesn't really happen in video games. You know, like proper science fiction, and um, that to me was like really rewarding. But then it didn't. It just I just clocked off eventually. Um, but I, th- I do think you're right with films like. Especially to compare it like that because, like, the film that strikes me is like The Nightingale. Yeah. When you think about a film oh, like that. God, I love that which film. Which is just, it's just, it's just painful to watch, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you leave it. Every time I've told people to watch it, I've been like, you should watch A Nightingale, but it's it's a proper, a proper hard watch. It's a yeah. really unpleasant. It's a, it leaves you with a really horrible feeling in your stomach of yeah. just pure horror. And it doesn't, it doesn't end necessarily very well so you just leave it being like i feel depressed (laughs) yeah yeah i think and like that's definitely something that i think as gaming has started to be taken more seriously as like an art form you see um things like death stranding and i mean when you bring up something like the nightingale it makes me think the last of us part two and like that is just that is just an incredibly oppressive and bleak mm. game. Um, but it obviously has something in it that keeps you going back to it, mm. regardless of what you think of that game. I know that's quite divisive. Um, yeah. But yeah I, so, I mean, are there any games... Are there any games that you've played that you didn't think you were that into at first and then it suddenly clicked and then you're like, oh, I'm glad I didn't give up on that. And I think there is, you know. I think a lot of games that I've ever, that I've never been into, I just, I mean, a lot of games I didn't start being very well into, I didn't ever get into. Zelda, I started really well and fell out with that. And... I don't know. So is there what any are there any games that <laughs> this sounds like a fucking like a job interview, isn't it? So is there any games that are like critically acclaimed that everybody loves that you started playing and went, nah, this isn't for me and just dropped off before it got like, you know, twenty hours in. <laughs> Probably Death Stranding. <laughs> Big, Silent- <laughs> Big Silent Hill too, I'm a bit like that where when I first picked it up I was a bit like, this feels like shit to play fundamentally very different criticism to death stranding but like the game mechanics are just so old now but as i labored through the first three four hours like it's not the same scale but as i got past those first few hours i wasn't really having fun now. i wasn't really scared i didn't feel anything i was just like i'm playing a really shit game here i don't understand what i'm doing But as the story element started to like unfold, I then found the value in like what I was doing and then was more than happy to sort of keep playing through it and try and just put myself back in time a little bit and just take the gameplay for what it was. Um, and I still haven't finished it, but I'm, I'm not far off now. Yeah, I, I've kind of gotten it into my head and I wouldn't have done this if we weren't 
in the situation where we're in, where we've got, you know, more time to kill, um, when I now feel like if I'm playing something that everybody loves and mm. uh, I'm not digging it, I feel like I have to persist through it. Mm. And playing Final Fantasy VII Remake is the first time it probably the whole in like the last year I've given my permission to just give myself permission to just stop playing it. Yeah. <laughs> cause and it's not cause I wasn't, it's not strictly cause I wasn't enjoying it. Cause I, I mean, I was, but it just wasn't grabbing me. And there was like, there's other things I want to play. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's that play, that backlog thing, isn't it? Where you're like, you've got a playlist, you've got other games that you're enjoying. And there's a game that like could be enjoyed in like sort of isolation from the rest of it, but instead you want to spend your time playing a different game because that game's just not feel not going for you, you know. Yeah, one game that I wasn't really super into. It was more because I was just totally baffled by it. Um, but one game I wasn't really into, and it, I just kept going back and forcing myself to keep playing it because I was like, I'm missing something here. Was Bloodborne. And I'm glad that I did, you know, I'm glad that I kept forcing myself to go back and play it because eventually I, it's, it's that first level where you're in central Yarnum and you're just inundated with these weird, like spidery people with pitchforks and shit. And yeah, it seems totally overwhelming and the game offers you no guidance whatsoever. And I just remember like that feeling of like how on, I don't get this, like, what is this about and why am I being forced? Why am I being, why am I being, having this subjected to me? Like, <laughs> you know, but once I got through it and I, it took me, I think beating the first boss of the game, which took fucking forever to get to, even just to find where the first boss came in. Yeah. I was like, Oh, hang on. Actually, I, I I love this. <laughs> this is this is <laughs> me. This is like one of my favorite games ever made. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a game that needs needs a good bit of unraveling. Yeah, which I mean, it opens you up to all of the uh, all of the Dark Souls games as well. I mean, I, from there I went through and I played all of them. I saw because I was thinking about this. Um, not even before this podcast, I was like thinking about how I'm playing Sekiro, and I was like, it's taking me a bit. I think I've had Sekiro for about a month. Albeit, obviously, I've been playing it every day for a month. And I was like, oh, I wonder how quick Chris completed it. And I was like, oh, I'll probably be able to like check his trophies and like compared, <laughs> compared my trophies to yours. And I saw that like it, you completed Sekiro in like a few days or like a week. It was about, but... it was about a week. I think uh, with Sekiro, I was stuck on Junichiro for a couple of days. That was like the big sticking point where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. That's a big learning curve, isn't it? Mm, and once you beat him, um, the rest of the... There are harder bosses in the game, definitely, but his, his is the first time that you really uh, you really get tested on everything. Yeah. Um, but it makes the later bosses easier because you're kind of like, oh, hang on, right, I, I get what I'm meant to do when yeah, you re- they do you, this. You really pushed, you mm. really pushed to like master it at that point. I remember coming away from um, him and going to like other places where I was like struggling with like the regular enemies 
Yeah. And I was just like, parry, parry, parry. In fact, like the wolves and stuff, like I wasn't struggling with the wolves, but I used to like dodge roll out of them. Yeah. Well, whatever the Sekiro equivalent is. Um, and when I went back after Genichiro, because I was so uh, good at parrying, my instinct when the, do- when the dogs came jumping at me was to parry. And I didn't realize I could actually parry them. And I was like, pyom, pyom. It's like parrying like seven people at once. <laughs> Taking everyone down, I was like, I'm fucking class at this game. <laughs> but I literally went into that boss like a, com- a, a complete amateur compared yeah. to the professional that I came at. You know what I mean? Where are you up to with it now? Uh, I've done folding screen monkeys, which is, let's, let's face it, a bit shit, that. Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> I didn't, I don't mind that boss. It's not really like, it's not really like a fun boss. It's kind of if it makes sense. It was like playing Ape Escape. It was like you had to like catch them out. <laughs> it's like you had to like figure out their route and then sort of like jump in the way. But I, I didn't actually think I don't actually think that's what you meant to do. But that's what I did. I just chased I chased them and like did shortcuts until mm. I eventually like just caught them off guard. Like There's... land landing off like some balcony or something like that. I was like make sure I was there as they yeah. landed there. <laughs> there's a no, it's a puzzle boss. So there's like a I'm trying to remember it. How do, what, what's There's it? the one that can can hear really well, and you, I know that you're meant to use the um, the the salts that make your footsteps more quiet, and then you sneak up on it. But I was trying to sneak up on it, and it kept hearing me all the time. But I forgot about the salts. Did you? Is that not the? Oh, hang on. No, yeah, I just chased it. Oh, yeah, I just chased that. So one. that one, um, there's a bell, and you ring the bell, and it just can't hear you when you grapple up to it and then you just yeah. do it and then there's one oh, the wa- the waterfall you mean the waterfall because there's a hint near the waterfall saying that if you take that nothing can be heard under the waterfall so yeah. I, I assume that you're meant to take the the one that can hear really well there and then sneak up on it <laughs> fucking that, i don't remember but anybody listening Man, i did not beaten second i know for a fact that uh my mate jonesy shout out to jonesy i know that <laughs> He does listen to this. Like, um, he he's like fucking platinumed it. So Jesus, <laughs> he'll be sitting listening, being like, "You fucking idiots!" <laughs> I just called it ape escape. <laughs> no, no, it did remind me. It reminded me of like Spiral the Dragon, you know, with the like the guys who carry the eggs and they like leg it. Yeah, and, like, eh, 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 eh. and you have to like you have to charge at them, but you've got to like cut a corner and like quickly catch him out yeah that's literally what i did with the the one that can hear really well mm. and then i googled afterwards what you were meant to do and it definitely didn't say that it said that you needed to like sneak up on them on the certain yeah. areas there's one that there's <laughs> one that just like runs over the rooftops and you've just got to catch it there's one where you've got to open a set of doors to let the wind in and <coughs> then it confuses it or something it's invisible and then yeah. you uh it's it's always behind you Oh no! Yeah, that's it. There's one that's always behind you. It's invi- I didn't even realize that. There's one that's invisible and it follows you around, and you've got to just like catch it while it's like following you around. There's one where you open a bunch of doors and let the wind in, and it confuses it, and then you can get it. And then there's one where you ring a bell, and then I feel like there's another one. There's one that just sort of runs across the rooftops, I think, in like a big circle, and you just got to catch it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Anyway, that was our second row mid-roll segment. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Roll ad. Big thanks to Miyazaki for the uh, sponsorships, mate. I really appreciate it. Um, but um, I feel like that with FromSoft games at the minute, where I feel like I'm sort of like, they're on my playlist just because like I, 
I should play them. Yeah. And I thought the other the other day I was like, Am I really enjoying Sekiro? And then I, I was like, Go play it and see what you're feeling. And I went and played it and I was like, Fucking yes, I'm enjoying this. Sick. Yeah. It's the best FromSoft game I've played in terms of gameplay. Uh, so like I answered my own question there, but I do think like the the list thing sort of makes it a bit sticky for me. And for me, looking back, thinking about like what when I know that I'm into a game, I can think about games like uh, Persona Five, which to be fair, I'm like ten hours away from finishing. But those 30, first seventy hours, like when I was playing that period of time, I literally couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, yeah. at work, I was walking around the streets being like, oh, persona, persona, persona. Yeah. I got so into it that like, I would, if, if I was offered the chance to play it at any point in the day, I would literally do anything I could to play it. But you get like <laughs> on a work call with someone and they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, and just another thing, uh, Matthew, um, do you want to, do you want to play Persona 5? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Do I? <laughs> And I, I actually found that with um with that you know that game I mentioned on this week Steve the other week um Frostpunk yeah I found that with that I was so addicted to it that like at work I was thinking I can't wait to get home quickly make dinner so I can play the game and like nothing stopped me I was getting home and I was like not at no point did I go do I actually want to play it I was like yes I do want to play it and I went and played it until like half one in the morning do you get for that? like four nights in a row which I never do with games anymore do you get that with a lot of games though because I find no yeah like that's it there's a lot of games where I'm playing them and like I'm just sort of going through the motions going like yeah I'm I'm, I'm enjoying this like it's good you know I don't think the game's bad but it's not like it's not grabbing me in the way that you're describing there, which like a game like Bloodborne did. Like even when I wasn't playing it, I was watching like YouTube videos about it. Same for all the Souls games. Like that was just didn't like, you didn't you used to wake up as well with God of War? You used to wake up like early, didn't you? So you could squeeze it in before work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God of War was what the thing with God of War though is that I think from the very start of the game, I was like, I fucking love this game. Yeah. But yeah, like. Uh, there was like uh, when that came out I was get I used to get up early and go to the gym before work I'd go to the gym and then I started getting up like an, an hour earlier to go to the gym so I had an extra hour to play God of War before work <laughs> <laughs> and then I would come home and play it until like I went to sleep it was it's absurd how much I played that game I remember God of War because I didn't get it initially and, and I didn't have, have a massive inclination to, which maybe we'll, we can get to. But I remember like we, we were on a night out and I saw you and um, one of our mutual friends and you were in like McDonald's, like literally just talking about God of War at like three in the morning. <laughs> and you were like, oh, have you got to the Blades of Chaos yet? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, I do. And I remember being like, I haven't got the game yet. And you were like, oh, it's so good. And I was like, right, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> Such a good I, game, man. I was like, I'm going to get this spoiled. <laughs> get out of there now. Legged it. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen That doesn't happen that much for me. Um, like, getting so obsessed with something that I'm, like, thinking about it all the time. Um, but, yeah, I guess for me, how much I sort of give to a game when I start it, and I'm, it's not grabbing me. I, I, sometimes it's a bit like, well, it's like this is a really culturally important game because another game, this is my smooth segue into another game that I kind of forced myself through because everybody said it was amazing, um, was The Witcher 3. Yeah, yeah. Thoughts? 
I mean, I love The Witcher 3, but... By the end, I, I did, did like it. it. I did play it when it came out. I think games have progressed a lot since then. And you played it this year, didn't you? Or last year? I think it's a, it's a game that's like... It came out in this sort of difficult middle period that I think games are now coming out of. I think the PS3 and early PS4, <clears throat> Xbox 360, early Xbox One sort of... Um, period of time like that the graphics were getting a lot better but they were mm. also sort of still a bit like nah. like there was some uncanny valley stuff kind of going on and uh also the handling like the way games handled like the quality of the hardware and the software was getting better but also like characters felt like they handled with no weight or, mm. and that was the Witcher was something that was after playing that game games like God of War and Bloodborne going to something like the Witcher where Geralt feels like he's a fucking like a hovercraft he handles like a hovercraft you know like he's just <laughs> gliding around like <laughs> it, it was really difficult to go and play that and be like and look past all of the technical stuff that really, really bugged me about it and see the stuff that people loved it for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a slog. Like, I really forced myself through that. And then there was like a, there was probably like a middle period. I think I, it took me about 60 hours to finish the full game. The middle 20 hours where you get to, uh, I can't even remember what it's called, but the, there's like a, like a town that you go to after you get out of the turgid sort of wilderness. The city-ish one. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm enjoying this now. I like the dialogue trees. I like uh, the setting. But there was all sorts of stuff with that game that I just really didn't care for. And yet, because it's such a culturally important game, I was like, I have to finish this, you know? Mm. It's one of those Mm. things where you almost like, you feel like you can't, say that you like games if you haven't played certain games, which is stupid. Like, it's maybe something that's come with the internet. I think, like, a sort of gatekeeping about whether you can call yourself a gamer if you've played this or that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I thought the same... I mean, actually, did you finish The Witcher? I did finish it, yeah. You did? Oh. I remember remember on The Witcher, on the Witcher, the one bit that started to drag for me was like the very end. And whilst I found it was a bit epic, I remember it being like full of like frame rate issues and bugs that just like took me out of the experience completely to the point where I was actually forcing myself to get through it. And I just remember that ship being there and like all the enemies and stuff. I was just like, oh, sod off. It was a game that didn't really... um... It didn't lend itself to doing like the big epic set pieces that it was trying to do because like it was so fucking clunky. Mm. You know, like something like an Uncharted is really on rails feeling um, to the point where it can feel a little sort of stiff, but it like lends itself to the big sort of quick time event, like set piece type moments. Whereas The Witcher was trying to kind of have its cake and eat it. It was trying to have yeah. these big set piece moments, but like the combat in that game is awful and the way it handles is <laughs> awful. And it made me, right, it took, I had to really tweak the settings, um, like the visual settings on that game so that it didn't make me feel fucking nauseous. 
it's got a strange look to it. Do you not agree? Mm, I don't know. I can't play it in ages. It has like this weird perspective where it's like it's third person, um, but it feels like the camera is like almost like a fisheye lens. You know, it seems to distort the world around it. I don't mm. know. It just looks. Geralt's quite like static in the center of the camera, isn't he? So yeah. like, at any point you rotate, it always like it pivots right around Geralt like, quite hardly. The, I had to turn the camera sensitivity down to 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 like the lowest that it could go because <laughs> it was so sensitive that you like nudge the stick and like it, you just like the. the the camera angle would just completely change and like the motion blur and stuff and it made me feel cool, like so sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, I don't mean to go off on a massive rant about The Witcher, <laughs> but because uh, by the end of it, I was like, I get why people like this. Like this, I, I do think it's a good game. I just don't think it's anywhere near as good as people make it out to be. <clears throat> um, I remember playing The Witcher uh, when The Witcher 3 came out, I know people played Witcher 1 and 2, but like not too many, especially because it was an Xbox exclusive, uh, I think. Um, and when I played Witcher 3, like I didn't know what really what I was getting into. I thought I bought like quite a random, <laughs> I want to say like an indie game, but mm. <laughs> when, I, when I got it, I was a bit like, oh, no one really knows about this game. I wonder what this is about. Because I, I checked I, I checked the IGN YouTube channel and I was just like looking at like what new games were up and they raved about this new game called Witcher 3 and I was like, I'd never heard of it. And then I looked at the video and I was like, oh, Monster Hunting. I was like, it reminds me of Monster Hunter. Mm. And I actually like, I like the idea of like going off and doing like hunts as like bills. So like yeah. that sold me in it, into it. But when I got Witcher 3, I wasn't like, I didn't know anyone who was playing at the time. And then like, progressively like five months after it came out it seemed like everyone just started to get it mm. um because i remember like some of my friends being like oh have you got that witcher game can i borrow it St- and stuff like that <laughs> which never really happens i had no i i don't think i'd really i mean i maybe heard the name the witcher i think it came out in a around the time when as explained earlier like i wasn't playing a ton of games um mm. So I always kind of took that as the explanation for why I missed it. But mm. it felt like it came out of nowhere. And suddenly, especially with it being the third in the series, it's like a series I'd never heard of before. It is kind of weird that it's as big as it is. Yeah, it's had a weird, um, it's had a weird sort of lifespan where it's it's got much more successful like as times went on. Remember when yeah. the TV series came out? Apparently, like it was the most people playing Witcher 3 on Steam at any point, like, ever. Um, so it's had this, like, constant trajectory, which I suppose, like, Grand Theft Auto has, has as well, but not many games sort of last like that. Most games come out few for a few months, it'll people will play them, and then they'll, like, move on. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have that filter with Witcher, so I didn't have the expectation of, like, is this going to be good? So I learned to just discover the really good things about it, and I... I haven't played it in a while, but I still think if I played it today, I think I would still really like it. Um, but I, I guess you you went into it with that sort of like pressure and expectation and maybe like after watching some videos about it being like, right, well, I already know about the good stuff. So what else is there? And then yeah. you go in and realize that the only the only other things there is to learn about the game is that it isn't that good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, I definitely maybe had like something of a cyberpunk sort of experience with it where like the 
it just couldn't live up to the hype for me mm. based on what everybody had said about it. But I think it also had a lot to do with the fact that um, and some of that we touched on is like building up a huge backlog being like, well, I've got all of this time. Um, mm. You know, I might not get this again once all of this is over. So I need to get through as much gaming as I possibly can. Mm. So I was kind of going in and maybe to the detriment, well, almost certainly to the detriment of the game, playing it, being like, why is this taking such a long time to get going? Uh, I want to get through this so I can then move on to fucking Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's, I think your thing with The Witcher is like sort of what I did with Zelda, where I like went in like, there was periods of time in my life where I was like, I'm, I'm never going to have Zelda. I'm never going to have a Switch. So I'll just like watch someone play it for a bit. Mm. So I already like saw the magic of like a lot of it was lost on me by the time I played on it because I already knew what to expect and I knew to expect that it was going to be really, really good. And for the first like the first section on like the plateau and stuff like that, I was like, this is amazing. And I'd actually played it around my mate's house as well. And I thought this is great. And I was so jealous he had a switch. But by the time I got it, like the the excitement for me had gone and all that was left was me going, oh, this is a really good game that everyone likes, which I have to play. So I have to get through it. Yeah. Which as we talked about before about Zelda, like isn't the right way to play it. Like, so I was going through it being like, I need to get to that uh, divine beast and do it. And then I need, to, I need to make sure I do them all and get the master sword before I get to Ganon. Uh, here's the way I'm going to do it. And I sort of had it like it was like a job and like, Oh, like yeah. I, I should do it this way. I remember like getting to the, after I'd done uh, three of the Divine Beasts, I had the volcano one left. And then I realized there was like a map section at the bottom right that I hadn't done. It was like the sort of tropical sort of place. Like the Gerudo bit? Like the desert? Mm. No, no, no. Oh, no, the no, bottom like right. The sort, they're like, it's like a colorful. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. No, like the forest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I went there and like, you know, there was, I was like the dragon things, which I loved, but I mm. never, ever did anything with. I was always like that. That's amazing. I love that that's in there. But there was one of them and I was like, oh, how do I do that? And I like did it for a bit and I was like, oh, I just want to finish the game. I was like, I just left it. Just wandered off and I was like, I looked at my side quest and I was like, I've got so many side quests that I'm on my to-do list. I was like, I just need to finish this game. And it just got too much and I was like, I'm not playing this anymore because I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> And I do still, f I still think some of my criticisms to Zelda are valid. And I think some people look at it with such rose tinted eyes that don't realize that it's actually like a flawed game. But, um, but maybe I went into it with the wrong attitude because I was just trying to play it because it was a cultural phenomenon, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't really think anybody would argue it's perfect. It's definitely not perfect. Everyone, people say it's the best game of all time. Like the, the that doesn't make it perfect. I've though. never, I've never, well, in that case, nothing's perfect, but it's the, it's You're right. the most like, <laughs> it's the most, it's the most like. Except um, this podcast, this podcast's perfect. Yeah, this is, this is absolute perfection. But I mean, that game like is the most like universally like publicly praised game where like people are just like this is the best game of all time like it's it's such a there's so much like, aggressively positive statements about it 
I mean, they, yeah, I, I think a lot of the conversation around it is exaggerated. I don't, I don't think there is such a thing as the greatest game of all time. I just don't think there can be. Um, one of the greatest games of all time, certainly. And I think mainly because this is just my take on why people bum it so much. Um, is that like <laughs> put really eloquently there? The um, Jesus Christ. Well, it, I think it's just because it came out. Like, we've been getting fucking endless open world. I mean, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey at the minute, and, like, the map is just... It's just huge for the sake of it. And it's just yeah. objective markers everywhere. And I feel, like, no incentive to explore. Like, I just want... Especially because it's so fucking grindy. I'm not going to go off on a rant about <laughs> Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm enjoying it. But... Zelda is so different in the way that it gives you all the tools that you need at the start of the game. Yeah, yeah. And then it just sets you loose. And because the world is so beautiful and interesting, yeah, you want to explore it. And I just think it it took what it was becoming a really fucking tired genre and made it like interesting again. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, but I just, I just think I already like knew, I already knew about that, and I already like sunk it into quickly, and digested it in the form of like videos and quick, quickly playing at my mate's house. That like the feeling of being like, well, you can climb a tree and like pick up an apple and then cook it in the pot, like is amazing. But I, that feeling was wasn't part of my sit down with it. You know what I mean? Because I'd already, I'd already spoiled it. Um, which I think is quite easy to do. I've gone back to it when you're sort of playing a game that's a cultural phenomenon, especially if you're coming into it late. Yeah. Because you already know what the, you already know the hyper praise about it, you know? Yeah. Before you go in and you're not going into it going, bloody hell, that. You go, oh, have you seen, has anyone seen Zelda Breath of the Wild? Look, you can like, you can do anything. Like, you can do this, you can do that. It's like no one's, no one's, no one's telling anyone that anymore because everyone knows it's on fucking every IGN banner. And you can make a, you can make a salmon mounier. <laughs> I think I said that right. Salmon mounier. So it, like, with something like Zelda, I think it can really, uh, like, all of the hyperbole around a game can so totally ruin it for you. So once you're getting into it and you're more than a few hours in and you've kind of gotten the gist of it. You're like, oh, this is all there is to it and I'm not getting much out of this. Whereas you've got games on the other end of the spectrum like Bloodborne, which just really aren't enjoyable when you start them and you have to work to get through them, but then they really reveal themselves to you. And Mm. sometimes it's like, how do you know when it's worth sticking with it and when to just fucking chuck the towel in? You know? Yeah. Do you think you'd have enjoyed The Witcher if if you played it when it came out? If like you sort of didn't really know anything about it? I mean or I did you... I did enjoy The Witcher, just it just wasn't as good as I think it's made out to be, but uh no, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, how can you really know? Mm. You know, there's games that I played when they came out that I thought were the fucking the best thing since sliced bread, like GTA five. I mean, that game is fun. It's definitely a fun game to play, but I started playing it again uh, last year and I didn't finish it because I was just like, oh, this is actually really, really repetitive. Like, I've gotten all I can out of this sort of half playthrough um, and I think I'm just going to stop now. Mm. Um, whereas when it came out, I couldn't get enough of it and I thought it was incredible. 
you know, so your perspective can change mm. and your tastes change. And over time, like you might go back to something and be like, this isn't as good. So I, I couldn't really say, um, but I don't think so. I just, I think it fundamentally is just sort of not really something that I like massively gravitate towards. Yeah, fair enough. I was going to ask about how completionist you are in games, usually, now that we're talking about. It depends. I mean, it depends. I have a, yeah, like I have a completist streak. It depends on how into the game I am. Like God of War, for example, like I finished the main story to that and then I went on to just do everything in the game. Um, mm. You only platinum that recently though, didn't you? Yeah, you well, I had I had gotten most of the trophies and then like <clears throat> in sort of COVID boredom. But you went and got the little ghost, ghost birds. and that. Yeah, I went back and did all the little bitty bits. All the little bitty <laughs> shitty bitty bits. bits. Yeah, the little bitty <laughs> bits. Um, what about you? Uh... Not really. I, I think like I'm definitely like inclined to. So meantime, like The Last of Us One, for example. The amount of times I've like tried to play through that and like collect all the like um Firefly emblems and stuff yeah. like that. And I just <laughs> I just never can quite get them all. I always like lose one and then I'm like can't be bothered to See go The back. Last of Us is the kind of game that I I just wouldn't I just wouldn't be completionist about that. I don't know. You know, like that feels so hyper focused in on the story and dialogue that I don't think of it as gamey enough to warrant going through and collecting everything. Mm, I don't know what it was. I think I, I used to do it with the Uncharted games. I think that's a little bit different because it was like sort of the like you're a treasure hunter. You know, it sort of it felt a bit cool to be like, oh, let's go around the back of this bush and like find some on the top of a tree. <laughs> felt like part of it, felt like part of the story. Um, and I forget, like, moved over to The Last of Us for me. And I remember The Last of Us being a game that I've tried to, like, do all of that with, and Uncharted 4 especially. But um, I completed Final Fantasy VII pretty quickly as well. Like, what platinum, platinum that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually a really good game to platinum. I, I personally... What do you have to maybe do to platinum that? you gotta play. You got to play it on hard mode. Which basically stops you from being able to use any items, and you're not allowed to. So you're not allowed to recover your MP. So throughout a chapter, you're only allowed to use the MP shards, which are like in certain boxes. So you've got like a finite amount of magic use, right. including recovery. So you've got to be really like defensive and calculated. It literally, I, when I first played it, I first did the hard mode, chapter one, the bombing mission. Mm. Um, I was like, this is a proper, a real pain and really hard. Mm. Just, it wasn't even fun at first. But as soon as I like clicked as to exactly how I needed to think and like plan ahead, yeah, like the whole thing sort of like felt like a completely new game versus what normal modes was. Um, you've also got to like, you know, the um, oh, you haven't even got that far. There's a bit. There's a bit where like cloud cross dresses. Ah, oh, cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and yes, I, I won't say too much about what. I think I'm actually, you know what? I think I'm pretty close to that bit. It's in the, um, the like, Don Corneo. Yeah, like, that's like, where I'm up like to. Chinatown. I'm up to that bit, yeah. yeah. You know what? I Come will finish. I, I swear to you <laughs> on my entire family. pause it for a bit. <laughs> on my entire family's life, I swear to God. 
you're pretty close to finishing, to be yeah. fair. You're not that far. I, There's I'll a bit, like, you, you've almost finished, like, the sort of open mm. bits with the side quests. And then it gets really linear for, like, the last 15 hours where you just you just play it and you just the story gets really good. So it'll keep it going. But there's a bit where they could, each of the characters can have, like, three different dresses. Right, yeah. The dresses are dependent on what you do the on dialogue the previous options. chapters. Yeah. yeah, and, like, the side quests are, like, on, like, chapter three or whatever it was when you spend time with Tifa. If you do none of the quests, mm. you get one dress. If you do half of the quests, you get another dress. And if you do them all, you get a choice of which mm. ones you want, I think. So you got to, like, re- basically replay those open sections and do, like, everything a certain way and go with different characters. Um, it's a bit tedious eventually, but it's quite fun to, like, see the different cutscenes mm. and stuff that you get for it. Um and then at the end, there's like a secret boss. So you do like a boss gauntlet where you you um, you fight all of the summons uh, in order, and you're not allowed to die once on hard mode. And then there's like a an an ultimate weapon equivalent, which Final Fantasy yeah. has always had like an ultimate weapon boss, which is like super hard. Always had like millions of HP, like take it hours to kill. It's not that hard here, but it was pretty difficult. Um, you got to do them all plus that at the end, and that was the last thing that I so did. So, like the, the the platinum on on that is kind of challenge based more than just collecting shit. Yeah, because that's it wasn't really anything to pick up. That's like the kind of platinum that I've only ever platinum two <clears> games. It was God of War and the Demon Souls remake, and the yeah. Demon Souls remake in particular, like that was a breeze to platinum because. Mm. I it took me like 70 hours to do but I enjoyed it all because it was mostly challenge based and there wasn't a lot of just like slogging around a fucking map trying to find pointless shit like no, you know it was none of that. it was like defeat there was like all of the basic stuff there was one for like every boss and then there was a couple that were like do defeat a boss by only doing this for example and like yeah. I like I like I would do that kind of platinum mm. uh, rather than like what God of War turned out to be. I mean, I may, I basically only did that out of boredom, <laughs> uh, which was like, you know, just trawling around by the end, trawling around trying to find Odin's ravens and shit. Yeah, but definitely. I think with the Final Fantasy thing, I mean, like I'm still working through a backlog now, um, mm. but I'm not pressuring myself the way that I was i think earlier maybe like the start of last year where i felt like oh i've got to really get through all of these i've got to play the witcher i've got because you know everybody's played yeah. these like now i'm just sort of much more leisurely doing it so i'm playing assassin's creed odyssey at the minute um i've got monster hunter world that i'm gonna play next maybe and i need to finish final fantasy 7 have you got much yeah. left in the in the backlog and and how do you feel about finishing it? Are, are you at like a point where you're still sort of being like, I need to get through as much of this as possible or like, no, I keep putting, I keep putting more games onto it quicker than I'm fucking getting rid of them. That's the thing. So I'll show you now my on switch. I've got Odyssey, Ori in the blind forest and Hades. And I keep forgetting I'm even playing Ori in the blind forest. I'm sort of chipping away at it, but you usually turn my switch on and go, Oh yeah. Ori in the blind forest. <laughs> so, like, you know, we were earlier on, we talk about when a game, like it becomes something you're thinking about every day. I'm not like in a meeting, like you said, and someone's like, do you want to, 
should I play it or in the blind forest? I'd be like, oh, do I have to? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's a game that's on my playlist. And I've got Silent Hill 2, Sekiro and Persona 5 on PlayStation. But I've got like, I put like Jedi Fallen Order and like Nino Kuni 2, which I'd give up on halfway. Um, Jedi Fallen Order is a pretty breezy playthrough, but um, that's why it's on there. I've been playing too much serious games. Yeah, you're so I don't know though. You're so skeptical about it that I don't. I feel like you, you've convinced yourself that you'll hate it, so you you <laughs> will just hate it. I think I surpre- I didn't play it though when I knew that that was the case. And I'm starting to come around to the idea a bit more. So I said to one of my mates, I was like, "Oh, you've got to wear those stupid ponchos and that, haven't you?" And they were like, "You don't have to wear them." And I was like. What are you doing? <laughs> they, were like, they were like, you could just wear no poncho. And I was like, oh, I'll just do that. <laughs> the only like collectible outfits in the game is ponchos. And it's like, this is a fucking Star Wars game. Like, why am I collecting <laughs> fucking ponchos? Like, why have you why have you not put in like, I don't know, like Luke Skywalker's Return of the Jedi outfit as like some cool yeah. unlockable loot? Like, why is it like <laughs> different colored ponchos like <laughs> who associates that with star wars there's so much about that game that's fucking strange but it's it is a good game and getting to the point where i'm becoming accepting of it and i've been avoiding like star wars for a little bit and now i'm starting to be like oh, fancy some star wars yeah and, like i don't just want to go and watch like rogue one again or like original trilogy i want to like be like, oh, fancy Star Wars, and then be like, so that will help me get through Jedi Fallen yeah. Order. Do you know what I mean? It's a good it... Star Wars story as well. I mean, surprisingly so for an EA published video game, like in terms of where it fits in in the Star Wars universe, like it's actually a really interesting story and has like a really good ending. The yeah. ending, I really, I... really like the ending. Um, yeah. I fancy I'm, playing I'm, it I'm, again, actually, actually. I'm actually up for it. I like the the one thing as well that's made me want to play it more is playing Sekiro because I'm loving Sekiro, but I'm a bit like, I'd appreciate if this was a little bit more easier. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, but Sekiro can be hard and I can play that. I can be like, oh, I finished Sekiro. And then I can just go off and play Jedi Fallen Order, which is just like an easier version of that sort of combat. It's like parrying and hitting people and yeah. that. I'd be interested to see how what I'm like at Fallen Order now that I've played all the Souls games when I hadn't before. I wonder if I'll go in and just be like a fucking parry god because like I remember <laughs> like for my entire playthrough I couldn't parry in that game <laughs> like like at <laughs> all. <laughs> it's yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. Now you'll be in there like tick 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 ding. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do find that like I'm I'm I think I'm becoming to, coming to the realization like. When I Googled it the other day and I realized like how many people actually like, I say struggle, like struggle with like sort of gaming anxiety and like fe- the feeling of pressuring yourself to play a game. It's actually more common than I thought. Mm. When I Googled it and I was like looking around Reddit and stuff, like everyone was talking about it. And um, it's maybe like come to the realization that like I'm going to try and avoid sort of t- telling myself I have to play games. And actually just like being like, well, which of these seven games you're telling yourself you should play, do you actually fucking want to play? And just play that. And then like, you know, like Zelda and things like that have made me realize that um, if I'm not going to play something at the time and then I learn too much about it, I'm probably not going to like it. Like if the hype and stuff has yeah. become too much. So, so I'm happy to just try and avoid those games from now because it just becomes like a chore. And then I become like jaded on a game that's meant to be like, not even generation defining, like just video game defining. 
Uh, and I think that I think that is a shame. Like, I wish I liked it. I wish I played it. I wish I didn't play it at my mates. And I wish I didn't watch YouTube videos about it. And then I'd have had that enjoyable feeling I got from watching that content when I played it. But it's made me just realize that, like, you know, try and, try and just play stuff that you enjoy. And also, like, just because you're not enjoying the current three or four games that you have on your list, it doesn't mean that video games are starting to become jaded because games like Frostpunk, for me, do come around. You've just got to actually, like, put yourself around there and find them. And then when you do become, like, encompassed by a game, get home, get the tea done. If I can get your PlayStation on, you're sunken for yeah. seven hours. I think, like, like everything in life, uh, just having a bit of balance uh, helps a lot. You know, I think playing too many games, trying to get through everything is, is just not good for you, especially when games are supposed to be something that is, like, a stress relief, like a... Uh, a release from the anxiety of living, which you know, I mean, is um at the minute horrendous. Yeah, it's it's gotten considerably <laughs> greater over the last. I mean, well, I would say over the last like five years, but especially in the last year. Um, yeah, but there's no point in turning putting pressure on yourself to do something that is supposed to be like a fun hobby. And uh, we'll get to it in this week, Steve, but I used to kind of watch films and stuff a lot more and for some reason stopped doing it in the pandemic and played a lot of games. And the other day I watched a certain four-hour film that that came out last (laughs) week. And it was actually so nice to be like, it's Friday night. And I'm not gonna like force myself to play Final Fantasy, even though yeah. I'm not really kind of digging it that much. Instead, I'm just gonna s- kick back and watch a film. And then when I ended up s- I starting Assassin's Creed after kind of taking a few days off playing games and taking that pressure off myself, I was like, oh, actually, I'm really enjoying this now as well. So, yeah, so that balance, yeah. balance is good, definitely. Well, um. With that said, should we move on to this week's Steve? Do you yeah. want to explain what this week's Steve is? <laughs> I'm not letting you off. <laughs> this week's Steve is where we talk about what games we've been playing and what films we've been filming. What films have you been filming? Um, I actually don't think I've been watching anything. Maybe this is why I'm struggling to enjoy games at the minute now you've mentioned that. Actually, I'm like, I was thinking about it before the podcast. I was like, what have I been watching? Well, I tried to watch the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and fell asleep. Really? But I, I've been t- I've been tired this week. Yeah. <laughs> I like lit, I put it on at like quarter to nine. Yeah. And was asleep by nine o'clock. Woke up at like one o'clock in the morning and <laughs> Disney Plus was on a rampage. <laughs> <laughs> um, Have you been through some of the weird shit that's on uh on Disney Plus? Yeah, some the of the sh- I think it's well the Shaggy weird. Detective. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, the thing about Disney Plus, I used to love it when I used to go on and be like, it's just the Disney stuff. Mm. But I've realised over the last couple of weeks, they've just like brought in um, what, what's that like platform called where the stars? Yeah, and now it's just you go on, and it's like it's just anything. It's starting to just become a streaming. It's because they bought Fox. But get it? It just doesn't feel very like it doesn't feel very like Disney Plus. Do you know what I mean? I was happy to pay for Netflix and Disney Plus, knowing that I'd go to Disney Plus for Disney. I just, for me, I'm just go on it now, and I'm like, oh. But um, but yeah, I tried to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and fell asleep. That's what I'm going to watch after we get off the podcast. It's it's ready for me. I'll probably watch it tonight. To be fair, as well. 
Um, the uh, uh, gaming-wise, I've been playing my usual games, which are on my eternal list. The endless list. <laughs> my eternal list of games that I have to play. Um, but me, me and my housemate got a, a game called Moving Out last week, which is fucking class. What is it? I've not, I've not it's heard of it. so good. It's so good. I've heard a lot about these like sort of co-op games, especially on like Switch, mm. super casual like couch co-op. Um, I never really like had mates to play with, <laughs> but um, me and my me and my housemate do like Friday nights. We usually like do play games, and uh, for some reason, like I mean, I only got a Switch again a couple of weeks ago, so it's opened up the opportunities. But last week, I was like, oh, go on Nintendo Store, and I'll like go on co-op. And I was gonna buy um, Overcooked or this, and Overcooked's apparently really good, and I'd never really heard about Moving Out, but Moving Out's apparently super similar. But it is class. It's like you're like two little characters, like physics based, and you go into a. It's like top down. You've got to move like everything, a certain amount of items into a van outside, which you've got to squeeze them into as well. And right. you're like, it's like daft because like you know, like you'll pick up a sofa. And hmm. like one of you will be on one side and the other one will be on the other side. But then you'll be like, all oh, right, chuck it through the window or whatever. And you'll be like, you'll try and move. And then like, you'll be up both be going like the same direction. So like the sofa, like can't quite get the right angle. It's it. And that's how, that's how, what it's like all the time. But it's like not really massively fun, like moment to moment, but like every now and again, like something really, really funny will happen. <laughs> And um, there's like an arcade in it, so like the cold, the game is like you do like house by house. It sort of looks like Sims, mm. you know, where you pick the houses. Um, you do house by house, and then there's an arcade for like if you pick up if you do a certain amount of challenges. And the first mission, it's like it looks like it looks like our podcast artwork, funnily enough. Um, and the first mission is like you've got to like take a sofa across like a really thin path that then winds back on itself and goes under and then back over and then to like another challenge bit. You got to do it all in like five minutes. Right. And it took us like ages to do. And there was just like, I don't even know what was funny, but there was like a point where we tried to get it over and then his character like slipped off the side and it was like hanging by the sofa and like I could like let it go if I wanted and the buff just drop. <laughs> but I was trying to like pull him back up. So I was trying to like pull the sofa back up and his character was just like hanging like pathetically off the side. <laughs> and then I pulled myself off the other edge of the path. Mm. So I think the sofa was like on the path, like the wrong, complete wrong way. And me and him were both hanging on the other side of each sofa, just like hopeless. Um, and I literally, I was laughing my head off. I haven't laughed like that in probably like three years. <laughs> I like, I was in pain. Three years? That's so, oh, honestly, that's so I, specific. <laughs> I haven't laughed since uh, that event. Oh, I happened. remember the last time I laughed like this. It was three <laughs> years ago. <laughs> three and a half years ago. Um, but I was like literally in pain and I couldn't breathe. Um and he was the same. And it was just it was just good. It's probably probably a few glasses of wine, like, to be fair. But it was a class game. I definitely recommend like you you get some games like that for like you and Holly. Mm. Think they'd be well fun. Um they're just like they seem weird at first. You just chip away two lo- two or three levels in. You just be having like so much fun. The class they're just proper games. Yeah, yeah. Proper that's something. That's something I have feels like like something of like a lost art to me is uh, like 
single screen co-op games. I can't remember the last time I've like played like a multiplayer game with someone that mm. was in the room with me. Yeah, um, yeah. there's loads on Switch because mm. I mean, Switch is like sort of designed for yeah. it because you can't really be like, oh shit, I haven't got a second controller. Yeah. Everyone has two controllers. I did have Mario and just... Kart and I bought it with the intention of like when people come around to play Mario Kart and then I just traded it in. <laughs> yeah, I, so I was never, never playing Kart. it. Um, yeah. I have been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like I said, um, and it's it's fine. It's it's very very <clears throat> similar to The Witcher Three, and I, like we were talking the other day about the microtransactions thing, and then you asked yeah. me a question about about it, so I went and had a little dig because I've reached a point in the game, and I'm still I think I'm maybe only like ten fifteen hours in, and it's become very grindy. It's mm. like the next story mission that I've got and is like recommended level two higher. And it's not kind of like the Witcher yeah. where you can, you can go and do something that is a recommended level above you. It's kind of like, you just get the experience to get you higher from like doing it. Yeah. Like if you try and do something that's a level above where you are, like you will be killed instantly when something like breathes on you. Mm. And I went and had a look and you can buy uh, like time savers is what it's called. Yeah. And they're like, they're, they're using real money to buy upgrades that like double the amount of XP you get. Yeah. So you can level up quicker and yeah, it's total bullshit. <laughs> but I, I, it's still a pretty fun game. And this, uh, that's like, they've like monetized. I get, I get, I'll, we'll get onto the game in a second, but I get that bit in the sense that like the monetized, um, their world of like multiple things to do yeah. and vast amounts of things to do because they've been like well we'll just make the world bigger but so much in it that now they saw if people they want to go do it don't they they want to go check out these markers mm. but if they don't want it, if these you know these proper players come in then like, i can't be bothered to do the same mission for the twenty thousandth time they just have to pay yeah you know what i mean it's a bit like yeah. fucking hell it's definitely designed that way it's it's not impossible, you know, like they haven't made it completely necessary, but it's a fucking massive inconvenience having to, you get so little XP for completing missions. It, it just takes a long time to level up, you yeah. know, and it, it's... I think it would be dependent on how, how how people are enjoying, like, if people enjoy, like, basic side missions like that, fair enough, they'll probably get yeah. some out of it, but... I, I don't know, I'll see how far I get through it. I don't know if I'll finish it because it's it's fun but it's not so fun that i feel like it's worth committing like a hundred hours or whatever to it um yeah. has it got a lot of like fantasy sort of elements in it i know that it's got like sort of like gods and stuff in it isn't it like bosses that are like colossally big i don't know if i've i haven't come i've come across one complete bullshit boss in a side quest that was just fucking infuriating. It's this ball that uh, can heal and also has like a group of like little balls that attack you while you're trying to fight <laughs> it. And it's like, I'm two levels above the recommended level for fighting it. And yet I do fuck all damage to it. And these other balls, it just becomes like a total fucking slog. Like I, I think I spent about 15 minutes just hacking away at it and it gets like, it gets a few meters away from you. The other boars attack you and then it heals itself and then you're just back to square one. And I'm like, mm. this isn't 
difficult. It's just bullshit, you know. As someone yeah. like who has has experienced like curated difficulty in a game, like FromSoft, what FromSoft would do, like it's difficult, and you get better at actual technique. You get better, but this is just like a slog, you know. It's just difficult artificially and annoying and i just I, I think i had a couple of goes at it and i went nah fuck this like this is a waste of my time <laughs> a waste of my time it's a waste of my valuable time uh, i'm a very busy man i can't imagine you'll finish it especially after today's therapy session on uh not pressuring yourself <laughs> yeah. to finish games <laughs> no i'm i'm past that and uh i i watched the snyder cut <laughs> i'm sick of seeing about the snyder cut Every day, it's so it's everywhere. Fucking hell! I saw there's a grey version coming out. I was like, fucking yeah, hell! He's released it in black and white. Just to just to kind of put like a, a a caveat at the front of it, just so people don't know know that I'm not one of these like weird Twitter people who's like worship Zack Snyder, right? Man of Steel is all right, but gets intolerable towards the end. Batman versus Superman. I went to see that at midnight because I'm a huge Batman fan. Was really excited. Drove back at about four in the morning, screaming. Like I was like shouting while I was driving because I was so annoyed by that film. Who be you shouting to? Uh, to my ex girlfriend who was with me at the time. All oh, right. Sorry to bring that up, mate. Uh, <laughs> crying <laughs> open old wounds there. Um, uh, and. Yeah, I mean, I have grown over time to sort of appreciate Batman vs. Superman, even though I know it's objectively a bad film. There's stuff about it that I like. Mm. The Snyder Cut is really good. It was really good. It's way too long. And How can it be good? It's just... I think... I think I would not have liked it. If I had gone to a cinema and seen what I watched last week on a cinema screen... I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. I think like mm. if that had been released in cinemas, it sh- it should have been like an hour shorter, at least. And um, there's definitely cringeworthy moments in it. It's like, but I think after seeing the train wreck that was just Whedon's version of it, and being able to compare them side by side, and also the fact that because of the way that this was released with like fans campaigning for it. And there's definitely Mm. been like some really shitty people involved in campaigning for it, but just setting that aside, the fact that Zack Snyder made this and it was made uh, to try and give the fans who made it a reality as much as he possibly could, knowing that he probably won't get to do any of his sequels or anything it's just really joyful to watch because it's like, yeah, like there's tons of stuff in it that will only make sense to people who have followed the whole saga Mm. and are aware of like the things that Zack Snyder has said about the film. There's a lot of like really obscure references that like make no sense really, unless like you get the reference to the comics, you know, there's a lot of like filmmaking flaws in it, which is why as like, as a, as just a film, it doesn't really work. It only works because of the the context in which it was released. Yeah, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I it's so I, there's something really wonderful about something so silly that takes itself so seriously. 
because it does it takes itself really seriously and yet it's utterly ridiculous and isn't it, like most of it in slow motion <laughs> there's a lot of it in slow motion but that's because it's Zack snyder and he's just he just does it. but that's that, i saw like a count of about it's like 50 minutes or something of it slow motion yeah i swear i mean like he's just notorious for doing a lot of slow motion <laughs> but it, i think in any of the context again because i could sit on the sofa and watch it and take breaks and whatever <laughs> i think if i had seen this in under any other circumstances if this had been something that i had gone to a cinema to watch i think i would have left being like fucking hell but because of everything surrounding it and the way that i got to watch it and yeah. just the fact that it's so much better than the version that got released to cinemas like so so much better even though like it's technically kind of mostly the same film um that's what i don't, that's what i don't get so like my understanding of it is that it's the it's the original film re-edited and in in a way that you know he's left extra scenes that were cut or extended scenes that were cut short he's re he's recolor he's graded it and he's and he's act, and he's actually brought some of the actors back to re-record additional scenes that now in hindsight he wish he was he wish were in the film there was a whole thing right so Zack Snyder shot tons of footage for it and then had to leave the studio mm. looked at i think what it, what they had and because Zack Snyder was out and they kind of wanted him out i think because their DC films weren't getting good reviews they brought in Joss Whedon who had done the Avengers and said like rewrite a bunch of scenes reshoot bits um cut it down to two hours and release it like this um Zack Snyder's taken all of the footage that he shot and I mean a, a lot of what was in Joss Whedon's version of it was clearly stuff that had been shot by Zack Snyder but even in mm. those cases he's used different takes I don't mm. think there's a single piece of footage in this that is the same as the one that was in Joss Whedon's even even if it's the same scene he's used a different take right but he's basically used everything he shot like there's no way that he he's left anything out like this is everything it's four hours long um he's color graded it in a way that he would have done it because i mean the way that he makes films i think you have to color grade them in a very specific way because joss whedon's looked like a tv movie because he'd color graded mm. it more colorful it was an attempt to try yeah. and be more like a marvel film so it was light uh joss whedon had written, written a bunch of really shit jokes for it and had color graded it brighter this is all fucking like monochrome it looks like a Zack snyder film mm. um he's finished off all of the special effects in the way that he intended it because joss whedon changed the way like the villain looked for it mm. and uh yeah, and then he shot a couple of extra bits that I think he tacked on because he knew he was not going to get a sequel. Like, for example, the Jared Leto's Jokers in it because he was like, I want to have a scene where Batman talks to this version of the Joker like these two characters meet, um, which is maybe one of the worst bits of the film, actually. Is that when he says he lives in a society? He doesn't actually, that line is not actually in the film. Like that is obviously <laughs> put that in the trailer just as like a fucking obviously as like and a trigger joke. people, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, it was in it's not in the film. But I I mean I could go on at length about it and I don't I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it and it's definitely not for everyone. 
But I think for people who understand everything that's happened around it and um, just appreciate someone getting to kind of put their uncompromised creative vision out, no matter how flawed and daft it is, especially because like, you know, he had like a really horrible family tragedy happen to him. I think he got massively shafted by Warner Brothers. I think he really deserved to have his version come out. Because even though there's a whole toxic element of the fan base that pushed for this, Zack Snyder has never really... I don't know. He's kind of gone out of his way to decry those people. After the thing released, he was kind of like, I want nothing to do with these people, even though he's obviously benefited from what they've done. But he's never... He seems like a really nice, genuine guy, and he doesn't really seem to have anything to do with all of these toxic shitheads saying all mm. this stuff and i think he got fucked over by warner brothers <clears> and i just really enjoyed it brought me a lot of happiness to see this just utterly bizarre thing that runs for four hours uh just come out and also ben Thanks. affleck's batman is great and i think it's a sad thing that we didn't get to see more of him mm. as batman so um, that was the end I of my TED talk. It's definitely a it's definitely a cultural phenomenon, but I just don't wanna I don't wanna watch it because I don't get it. I don't I don't if it's not I your thing, it's not your thing. You know what I mean? I wouldn't I wouldn't exactly. I wouldn't recommend this to someone um if it wasn't you know, it wasn't something that I knew I think they'd get something out of. And I'd I watched Man of Steel and half of Batman vs Superman. Um and I just, I just have no passion yeah. for it. Well, don't watch it. So I'm gonna force myself <laughs> to watch it and then be like, "That, that shit." I don't so. get it. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's that? Don't understand what they're on about. Who's this oh. bloke with the big S on his chest? What's he? What's he all about? Is that that? Is that that fucking blooper man? <laughs> well, on that note, uh, I think that's it for this week. Um, <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ButtonChopsPod. Um, please leave a five-star review on iTunes as it helps us massively. And if you want to get in touch, you can email us at ButtonChopsPodcast at gmail.com or drop us a line on our social medias. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at @beesisforfoon. Uh, my social media bits are clever woot. Very good. Cheers. Um, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye. Bye.